1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to be listening to another edition of the Stickblade podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Lonscott, and I'll be joined by my co-host, Nicole Page. Kevin is out for the evening, but we're going to go on without him. On tonight's schedule, we're going to be talking about some free agency movings, a couple trades between teams and some signings. And then we're going to do a quick talk about the, uh, the NHL draft that's going to be happening actually tomorrow. Just our summary of who we think each team is going to be picking in regards to the Wings and the Hawks. Um. With that being said, go, let's go ahead and just get right into it. Um, so I kind of want to start where the beginning of free agency started, then work our way up to right now. So we talked last week about it, but it's confirmed Phil Kessel's not really in the trade talks anywhere, so he's going to be staying put. Um, after that, though, the next big move, at least recently that I can think of, is the Eric Carlson signing. He signed with the San Jose Sharks. So I believe for 11.5 million, um, I think he's going to be pretty good there. I mean, we saw pretty decent success in the playoffs for them. Unfortunately, they couldn't make it happen, but I think he's going to be a good overall player for them. And I mean, I mean, I think he pairs with Brent Burns pretty well in terms of just providing offensive defense. Um, Nick, what's your initial thought on the signing
0: yeah clearly the sharks loved what they seen from eric carlson this past season understandably so just because he's one of the best defensemen in the league and championship teams build from the back forward for the blue line towards the forwards and having two elite defensemen with eric carlson and brett burns as your top pairing it's a hell of a way to it's a hell of a way to start a team so i i love the signing with eric carlson i believe he's worth all that money I and mean, we've seen him get beat down in the playoffs with injuries but the signing makes complete sense and if it wasn't going to be the sharks it was going to be the lightning who have also a top decor so clearly eric carlson is a priority for teams that look to build from their defense up, and the Sharks made a hell of a deal by signing him. No, the
1: Eric Carlson contract, another thing to note is that it's also a contract with term. I believe it's an eight-year contract that he signed. Um, so they're going to be holding on to him long term. Um, I I think absolutely that it is a great contract right now. Um, I'm going to be hesitant in the last two or three years how that contract is going to look just because as we know, you know, as guys get older, they get slower. They tend to slow down the production a little bit. That would be my only fear with assigning for them. Your thoughts on the uh, contract length?
0: Yeah, eight years. So in order to get these premium free agents or unrestricted free agents who are set to be, you're going to have to wow them with some kind of deal. So eight years is what Carlson was looking for. He wanted a long-term contract. So... Sure, you have to maybe bite the bullet for the final couple seasons or so and deal with the lack of production or the expected production of a late 30s player. We've seen that with the Hawks, with Brent Seabrook. So, I mean, if you want to get if you want to get that star player on your team, you're going to have to offer him that long-term deal with that high price tag. So, sure, in a few years he won't be worth $11.5 million, but in the moment right now when you're trying to win, he's worth all that money and then so.
1: So, Norris, winners don't exactly come cheap in the NHL. I mean, like you said, you got to offer him something to to wow him there. I also think, you know, living down in San Jose probably isn't a bad deal either. I mean, I'd certainly like the weather compared to Michigan. That's for sure.
0: And better than Ottawa where he was. Yeah, better
1: than Ottawa for sure. Gets to enjoy the nice warmth. Um, In terms of the Sharks, this is, I think, a pretty big move by their management that they're Still in the win now mode, and I think adding a Norris player like Carlson still keeps them in it, and he's locked up for a while, so I think their window is probably going to extend another three or four years before they finally start to get out of that window. But overall, I think this is a great move by their organization. They need another guy who can sort of anchor that back line for them. They have some decent forwards already, and I think pairing him with Burns gives them a solid one-two punch on the defensive line to keep them in games. And as I mentioned earlier, Carlson has shown that he can produce on a score sheet as well, not just defensively. So overall, I definitely like the signing. Um, if I were going to grade it, I would probably give it a nine. I think the contract number in terms of salary is fair. I think the player is a good signing, obviously. The only thing I don't like is the contract length. But like you mentioned earlier, he wanted a substantial offer. And if you want to attract a big name free agent, like somebody like Carlson, you have to wow them. What would you give this signing as a score
0: yeah it puts the sharks in an interesting spot going forward they're kind of tight on the cap space so they're gonna have to either clear cap or say goodbye to some some big names they need to sign timo meyer coming up shortly or it's either that or his new contract kicks in i forgot which one it is but regardless he's, Timo timo meyer's gonna be making more than what his rookie deal is and then so you could potentially see someone like Joe Pavelski leaving the Sharks. I know the Sharks said they want to bring him back, but they're gonna have to find a way to do so because Pavelski could still produce even at 35 years old. So it's gonna be an interesting scenario for the Sharks this offseason a clear cap space or whether or not they want to say goodbye to someone like Joe Pavelski. Speaking
1: of the uh, Sharks forwards, just a uh, a little tidbit that came out this week: Joe Thornton actually said he doesn't have any intentions to stop playing. He said he wouldn't mind uh keep playing so i mean he's always he's always been a decent player for san jose do you think he sticks around at all
0: yeah i think he's gonna stick around uh he's he said he wants to play five to ten more years i don't know if that's gonna happen his quote was i got nothing else to do so i might as well play hockey so uh joe thorne showing a little bit of yammer yager in him so i think he'll he'll be willing to come back to the sharks and take a hometown discount or i mean he's been paid in past contracts so the money's not really concerned Joe Thornton just wants to win I think if he stays with the Sharks and the Sharks stick with him the way this team is being built right now you could see Joe Thornton hoisting a cup in the next if he plays the next five years he could be lifted in one year
1: great I think he'll probably stick around at least for another two or three years and try to see if he could win the cup with them but uh that's it in regards to the Sharks uh trade acquisition so far this off uh, we'll go ahead and move forward a little bit. Um, another trade that ended up happening was the uh, the Chicago Blackhawks actually ended up trading uh, forward Dominic Cahoon. And I believe it was a 2019 fifth-round pick for yes. Ole Mata from the Penguins. Yeah. Since you're a little bit more familiar, Nick, I'll go ahead and let you lead off with uh, what you
0: think in terms of this move. Yeah, so Stan was quiet all off season, which... Always gets me worried because Stan is gonna make a move when nobody expects it and it was Saturday I was just hanging out just doing nothing hanging out with the family and I see this trade pop up on my phone saying Dominic Cahoon is going to Pittsburgh for Olmada and at first I was furious. I mean I love Dominic Cahoon. I'm, I'm me and a, a ton of other Hawks fans loved what he did his rookie season playing with DeBrickett and Strom but after letting it a few letting a few days go by, I realized the trade kind of makes sense. I mean Olimata's not going to fix the defense himself but he's going to help so the Hawks have guys like Brendan Perlini and Dylan Secur to still come back along with a free agent forward class that's just it has a ton of depth to it so forward was never an issue for the Hawks and trading Cahoon it hurts it sucks to see a guy produce like he did last year for a guy that might be a top six he I mean he'll be at the At best, he'll be a top four. He won't ever be a top pairing defenseman. So Olimata, I mean, I was frustrated at first, but he kind of grew on me. He had a great rookie year and two seasons ago, I think he had 29 points. So Olimata could be one of those guys. He plays like Connor Murphy. So the trade makes sense. You got to build from the back end, and I hope he kind of. I hope it works out because our defense struggled last year. It was what killed us all last year. So I don't mind the deal. I don't mind losing Cahoon, but. I thought we could have got a bit more for Dominic Cahoon.
1: Looking at Chicago's defense, I mean, you guys have, you still have Keith and Seabrook. That's the one-two punch still. You mentioned uh, Ole Mata. I think he has the potential to be a top four guy. Now you moved uh, you moved uh, Cahoon, which I actually liked what I saw from him in the couple of games that are done. But like you said, the Chicago still has Kane, Tate's, they've got Strom. So they've got forwards as well. Um, if you were going to move Cahoon for this return, plus the pick, do you, In your opinion, think that the pick should have even been attached at all? all? Because, in my opinion, a one for one trade Olimata for Dominic Cahoon, I think, would have been fair. I don't understand why the pick had to be thrown in for uh, Pittsburgh. I mean, in a sense, you know, Pittsburgh's losing out on a defenseman, which realistically, that's pittsburgh's biggest weakness in their roster from what i can tell so maybe that's why the hawks threw the pick in um i think i would have been just fine with the one-for-one one trade i mean it's a fifth rounder though i mean the chances of fifth rounders panning out are pretty low in the nhl i want to say they're in the single digit percentages so i mean it's not a huge asset to be giving up but overall i mean i don't mind the deal like you i kind of shook my head and was wondering why on earth was this trade made when I saw it?
0: Yeah, uh I think the fifth rounder was kinda of thrown in there because Rutherford may I I think said, I'll get back to you to Stan and Stan wanted to get a deal done, so uh, you know, Stan being probably impatient just threw in a fifth rounder and Rutherford said, All right, done deal. But um, one last thing, or I mean not one last thing, and we could go on this trade for however long we want, but Ole Mata does have two Stanley Cups to his name, so he brings that winning mentality to the Blackhawks, which I like. And he's still young. He's 25 years old, so he has room to improve, and he could he could develop more. So I don't mind the trade in the end. Dominic Coon was a fine player, but he's also expendable. So, And the Hawks don't really have that many expendable assets, so if there was one, it'd be Dominic Cahun.
1: You mentioned uh, that he's only 25. I think that might have been... Another good thing to look at for this trade, he's still a somewhat younger defenseman, and from what stats say, it seems like defensemen tend to hit their their peak when they're around the 27 age, so they're about to potentially have him in his prime. I think it'd be pretty fair to say the Hawks are still in their cup window, I mean, they've still got their star forwards, they've still got a perfectly serviceable defensive core, and yeah, the defensive core is aging a little bit as their forward core is, but... I think they're still in that window. I mean, really, I think, like you said, defense kind of killed them this or killed them this current season. But if that's where Bowman thinks that the roster needs strengthening, I can definitely see why he wanted to make a pickup for a guy like Mata who could potentially slide into your top four and still has potential room to grow. So looking at yeah, this know, I don't really me. hate the deal.
0: This also tells you that... I- they're gonna. They're not gonna sign Jake Gardner like the rumors were reported, which saves the Hawks three and a half million with this Mata trade. So I would rather have Ole Mata at four, or I think he's four point two five or something like that, rather than Jake Gardner at seven and a half. So I think he's. I think Ole Mata is even better than Jake Gardner. So I. I they improve their defense slightly, and it, it means the Hawks are saving their money on this forward free agency class, which I don't mind at all. If we're gonna if we're gonna improve it forward, we might as well go get a solid guy like Zingle or. I mean, if they want to make a run at Panarin, I don't think it's going to happen. But they have money for their forwards now, which I love. So uh, and this trade wasn't terrible. So, I, I mean, Mata, I hope, could at least be a top four defender for this team and maybe anchor and bring that winning mentality and develop this defense like with the young guys we have coming up with Yokoharu, Boquist, and Chad Kreis.
1: Okay. Uh, we'll move to another, another trade. Uh, Kevin Hayes ended up uh, signing a, a deal with the Flyers for seven years with I believe is 7.14 million. A bit of a signing for them again shows that they're going to try to hang him or put him on their, uh, their roster for a minute. He's not going anywhere. Um, I think it's a perfectly fine addition to their roster. I mean, forward depth, like I've always said, you know, you got to score a goal somehow and most of your goals won't come from the blue line. Um, I think maybe... is a little high. I think I would have been a little bit more comfortable with 6.5, but this is what he wanted.
0: Yeah. uh, The first, my first, when I seen that come up on my phone, the first thought that came to my head is, Holy shit, he got overpaid. Kevin Hayes never exceeded 60 points in his career. And you don't, he's making $7 million to be a 50 point producer on the Flyers, which, I mean, the Flyers are desperate for depth at center. So I understand that. But $7 million for a guy like Kevin Hayes is just too much money. I, I had him going for like 5.75. Even 6.5 would be understandable. But I just don't understand that. It seems like this offseason everybody's getting over, like Jeff Skinner got nine million, Kevin Hayes now getting seven. It's players that don't make sense and Panarin's just licking his chops right now. If if Kevin Hayes is getting seven million and Skinner's getting nine. I mean, Jesus, what is Panarin going to make with this offseason coming up? It just doesn't make sense.
1: For me, Like, I didn't really like the cap hit on this trade. But, I mean, I guess the Flyers are desperate. They're desperate. But, man, 7.14 for, like you said, a guy like Kevin Hayes who realistically – He's not, you know, an 80 point guy who can command that kind of money. Like, I'm not sure if the Flyers felt like they just needed to get something concrete with their roster going so they could start building. But I'm really not sure how negotiations, at least between the Flyers and his agent, could have said, yeah, 7.14 is fair for this guy when, like you're saying, he hasn't really put up the stats to really deserve that kind of money.
0: Yeah, he's a, I mean, I know knack of Kevin Hayes He's a fine player. He plays a 200-foot game and he gets 50 you, you could you could pen him in for 50 points. But still like we've been going back and forth about it. Seven, you don't 50-point producers don't get 7 million. It's just Kevin Hayes his agent should deserves a raise after this. So uh Kevin Hayes, I mean, he's a fine player. Flyers got a good player, but too much money. Way too much money for Kevin Hayes.
1: Definitely agree. Um Another big move for the uh, free agency in, uh, in trade front, Jacob Truba ends up moving from the Winnipeg Jets to the New York Rangers. Um, I believe the New York traded, what was it, the first rounder? And I'm trying to remember who they traded along with it.
0: Neil, Neil Pionk.
1: Neil Pionk to the Winnipeg in exchange for Truba. Um, now, granted, Truba is a RFA, I believe. So yes. He's going to be looking to make a signing after this year. I actually think New York made this trade, A, because I think they want to run Kirk and Truba together and just see what they can get working, which in addition to that, they also have the pick that they made last year, which I think their rebuild's going to go a lot faster than a team like Detroit who hasn't gotten lucky in the draft lottery. I like the signing. I mean, you get him for one year, you're going to have his RFA rights. I th- partially think that New York picked him up just so that they could talk to him this year in terms of getting a sign and I don't think they want him to hit the free agency market because a guy like that is going to command big money I mean you're talking about a defenseman who's going to sign a lengthy contract through his prime and he's still fairly young so you're going to not have to like say he signs an 8 million dollar deal you're not really going to have to deal with bad years for that contract very long
0: yeah I love this trade for New York I thought it was just a hell of a deal you're giving up the 20th pick and Neil Pionkou. So you're basically, you're throwing in a, uh, I mean, it was, it was a trade that the Jets traded to New York for Kevin Hayes. So essentially they traded Kevin Hayes and Neil Pionk for Jacob Truba, which is a great deal. Truba is one of the most, is one of the fine young defense in the NHL. So, and it also makes this New York Rangers team a destination for free agents. Like they're, they're going to, and then Kapokaka, who's expected to go second overall. And then, like you said, the, 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 the defenseman that they took last year, Keandre Miller in the first round. So they're building from the back end up too, like with Shatton, Kirk, and Truba. And bringing Truba along also makes this team interesting, an interesting place to sign for free agents. They, they could win now next year if they really want to. Henrik Lundqvist is still a stud goalie. He's not what he once was, but I mean, you're going to see these big name free agents that they they will want to go to New York if they're offered a contract there. So Truba not only improves this team currently, but free agents are looking at this team like this New York Rangers team could win. So it was a great deal all in all in all. So New York just it was something it was something the Hawks should have pursued. I don't think the Jets would have traded Truba into the vision. Like if we offered Cahun and a next year's first-round pick, I think the Jets would have said no just because we're in division. So the Rangers made out like fools. I thought this was a hell of a deal for the Rangers.
1: You know, speaking of uh, you know, building from the back out, their building philosophy kind of reminds me of Nashville's where they didn't sign a bunch of like high-end forwards, but yet they built from the back, had an amazing defensive core, and because they have that defensive core that can move the puck and keep it out of the zone. Their forward group doesn't really have to be all stars. I mean, the best way to put it is, you know, you can't get scored on if you're not in your own zone. And I mean, building from the back out, it seems to be the way that a lot of the successful teams in the league are trending.
0: Yeah. And you see the I you see the Hawks doing it now too. I think if you wanna win, it's I've mentioned it several times just in this episode already. You gotta build from the blue line and the Hawks the last three drafts have been doing so and these elite teams like Nashville who are pain to, are pain to play. So I think you're going to if you want to if you want to build a championship caliber team, go for go after these star D-men, and New York's doing that right now and they're going to be a problem in the future with that defensive core that they're building.
1: Um another note just a little side note for this move. Um before this trade was actually made Rumors were that uh, the two main teams looking at him were New York and the Red Wings, so Red Wings fans had been wanting us to pick up Truba for a while, but didn't uh, didn't end up working out for us. Um, just a quick note on the Wings front, no signings or trades or anything like that, but Steve Eiserman came out this week and basically told the media, if you're looking to build a team through free agency, you're not going to do it. You have to draft and develop players on your own, so... Wings fans, if you're looking for big, splashy moves this off season, I think you're going to be disappointed. I mean, Steve said, you know, he's not looking to make a move just to make a move. So unfortunately for Wings fans, there's in my, at least based on what I can see, I don't think there are going to be any major moves for us this off season. Yeah, um, uh,
0: but it does show that since the Wings inquired about True, it does show that they're willing to make a move for the right guy, which that should be exciting. Like God, Shane Gossberg, Gossespierre, is out there. I wouldn't be surprised if the Wings are one of the teams that are inquired about him. The, the Canadians are involved with him. So, but it is all about building homegrown talent. You're not going to – free agency is only going to temporarily fix things. So you're going to improve your team through trade and draft. And Eisman showing interest in Truba is a sign of encouragement for this team as a whole. So uh, Red Wings fans should be excited for these next coming years because there's going to be, there's a storm brewing in Detroit and it's going to be powerful once it's all said and done.
1: We'll go ahead and move on to another signing. Uh, Jordan Eberly signs with the uh, Islanders for five years, 5.5. 5. Um, I actually like this deal quite a bit. I've seen some people saying, you know, he's getting overpaid, but I think a guy like Eberle who can play in your top six is worth 5.5. 5. I mean... That seems to be the going rate for top six wingers in the NHL right now. I mean, he can score. He can he can skate, not amazingly, but I think he can skate. Um, I think just overall a fair deal. Nothing spectacular, but nothing that's a ripoff either to the uh, the team or the player. Um, your thoughts on this one?
0: Yeah, I thought a uh, five and a half is a is a fair deal. Uh, this this Islanders seems they don't want to let any more of their guys go than they have already. Like they signed Brock Nelson, they signed Jordan Everly now, and a top six forward deserves five and a half million and Jordan Eberle is clear, uh top six forward caliber. So I think this team is, it's going to be mostly the same guys as last year. So Eberle at five and a half million to perform like a top six forward, I think it's a fair deal. And it could be, if you pair him with the right forwards and put him, a, it could even be a steal. So I, I thought it was a great signing. I didn't, there's nothing there should be no reason Islanders fans complain about that kind of deal.
1: Uh, I mean, they lost a guy like, you know, John Tavares last season, so you need to pick up that production somewhere. And I mean I think Jordan Everly is a guy who can at least somewhat bring some of that production. And, I mean, a top six winger for five five. I mean, that's about the going rate across the league. I I believe Nyquist was making about that. Tatar's making that up in uh Montreal. So I mean it's not really an really too far out their deal for a guy five years i mean that seems to be what most guys sign when they're in you know their late 20s because they're trying to get paid and have that be their last contract through their career
0: yeah uh so it's not it's five and a half it's not like it's not money that makes you your jaw drop so I mean, island fans should be happy with this they got a they got a solid player coming returning and with what the, the kind of season they had last year you want the, these kind of guys. They they looked like a championship team from last year. I mean, maybe they have to get a more, their goalies performed well last year, but maybe you get a goalie that knows how to win like a Bobrovsky or something along those lines. So I thought it was a great signing and New York, they have to sign Anders Lee. Now uh, there was a rumor that he's considering the Blackhawks and I Andrews Lee's not a guy the islanders want to let go so we could look something along those lines that Andrews Lee is going to be the next one to get a deal done in new york after nelson got his and Everly got his so uh islanders fans should be pretty ex- pretty happy that it's mostly last year's team returning this year
1: i see not much is going to change but i mean the roster from last year got him into the playoffs so i mean it's got to at least have some success set i mean you're looking at some of their younger players are now going to have more experience under their belt. So I mean, you can only imagine they're going to move forward. I mean, their team didn't really get older.
0: No, yeah, they're they're still a young team.
1: Um, let's see. Uh, Carl Hagelin ends up signing with the uh, Capitals for four years at 11 million. So it's not a bad deal. Or all right, let me rephrase that. four four years, 11 million dollar contract, not four years at 11 million. Geez.
0: <laughs> that 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 could be way out of context if we we left that first one go. All
1: right. So a four year contract over eleven for eleven million total. That's putting him, let's see, about two
0: point something about two point two seven. seven. Not yeah, two seven. Day, but two point seven. Yes, I think that sounds about right. Yeah,
1: two two point seven, two point eight. But that's not bad for a Ford like Hagelin, someone who's got playoff experience, who's got cop success. He was on Pittsburgh's roster for one of their Cups, so I think it's not a bad pickup at all by them. I mean, he gives them some strength up front. They're, in my opinion, the Capitals should have tried to target a defenseman, Um, but I think Hagelin's not a bad pickup for them at all. I mean, it seems like in today's NHL, we either run a stacked forward group or you run a stacked blue line, and I think Washington's tending to lead towards... The front end. I mean, you've got Ovechkin back, Strum Kuznetsov, Oshie. Now you've got Carl, or yeah, Carl Haglund. Um, who, did, who else did they have picked up? Yeah, their forward group has a pretty decent number of players who can produce. Um, on their blue line, you know, they still got John Carlson playing for them, which is why I think they probably should have gone for a defenseman. But overall, I'm not really mad about the Hagelin trade. It's not a sizable piece of your cap space where in a couple of years you're going to look at it and say man this is just a terrible signing i mean it comes out to just under three million a year which isn't really a ton i mean the going rate for an nhl player with that kind of experience i think just shy of three is completely fair
0: yeah for a top nine forward especially
1: other than that i'm trying to think of can you think of any other big name or uh even just free agent trades that got moved or that got made
0: yeah uh we talked about the sharks earlier they made a deal with the flyers to acquire their second and third round pick for justin braun which I, the flyers have a solid decor now i mean braun's a veteran and he's he could be a top four for uh, top four d-man for that team and he could probably be the replacement for golf spirit if they elect to move him so i thought it was a good deal i mean a second and third round picks not too much for a top four defenseman so uh other than that, i mean what are your thoughts on that if, if you have any i know it's not really a one of those deals that make the headlines, but it's a nice depth edition.
1: I don't mind the trade. I mean, it doesn't, it's not, like you said, it's not a headline trade. Um, I think it's just one of those, we're going to trade these players and they both get a change of scenery and just seeing if it sticks, if it, if it works out great. If not, you know, you didn't really move anything huge. I always like depth signings myself. I mean, in terms of what I tend to see from teams that have, you know, continual success and not just, you know, anomaly years, It seems like depth is what propels teams constantly to be contenders. So when teams make depth signings, I'm all... I'm almost always for it as long as it's not going to tie up a ridiculous amount of cap space, which realistically these guys aren't going to be doing at least not anytime soon, unless something drastically changes for the way that they've been playing.
0: Yeah. I mean, in the end, I like the deal on the flyers. And like you said, it's just, it it proves that they're trying to win. And the flyers were pretty close to contending for the playoffs last season. They They had a nice stretch and they have a young group going forward too. So I like the deal for them. They have a solid defensive group now. Um, and then really the only other news I've seen, and it was recent news, I think as of two days ago, Corey Perry was bought out by the Anaheim Ducks, which uh obviously Corey Perry is not the star player he once was, but he could be, he, he could be an interesting signing for any team that goes out and gets him this off season. He's, he has that elite scoring ability and, uh, Injuries have plagued him over the last couple seasons, but that kind of shocked me. I thought he was going to be a duck for the rest of his life.
1: You know, I would actually really like to see a team take a one-year deal on him and just try to essentially use him as a forward piece. I mean, obviously, a team's not going to sign him for, what was he making, like 8.6 or something like that?
0: Yeah, something along those lines.
1: So, I mean, you're not going to pay... You're not gonna pay a guy like him eight point six, but I think if it's team took a one year deal on him at like five, I wouldn't I wouldn't really question it. I mean, he's shown that you know, when he's healthy, he can produce and he can be an elite, you know, forward. Um he's not terribly old. I mean, he's go he's starting to age up there, but he's not, you know, thirty seven or thirty eight. I mean, I think a one year yeah, deal got,
0: would be great. Yeah, like a one year prove it deal, like prove you still have something left in the tape. So uh I, I, if there's a team that thinks they're on the brink of a playoff team, being brink of being a playoff team, and they have the money to go get someone like Corey Perry, they should take the chance on him. What's the worst that could happen? He doesn't work out for one year, and uh, then you move on. So I don't think he's. I, I, I think a team should take the chance on him because the worst that's going to happen is he doesn't work out for one season, and then you lose all that money. You that money is gone the next year because he's not in the roster.
1: So you, t- you essentially take a one one year deal on him sign him to even if it was like a one-year, four or five, and then let's say he just doesn't work out for your organization, you just flip him at the trade deadline to a team that could or thinks that he might be decent. And I mean, even if I can't remember, can you retain a salary at the deadline?
0: Yes, yeah, you can still retain salary at the deadline.
1: Okay, so like, let's say they retain half of it. and like, Let's say they sign a five-year deal or a five-million one-year deal and he just doesn't work out wherever he's at. They flip him at the deadline for a pick and retain half salary. So 2.5. I mean, 2.5 million for Corey Perry in the playoffs for a team that is either in a win now mode or thinks they can make that push. I mean, I can't really see 2.5 being something as a fan of any team really that I would be mad about for a potential elite forward still. I mean, 2.5 for somebody as a rental when you have maybe a late-round pick tied up in it. I mean, you can't really be mad at that.
0: Yeah, and you can't – like his stats really haven't showed anything in the last few years, but that Ducks team is just it, – it's not good. They, they have all these old guys that they're overpaying. I mean, Corey Perry was included because he's making $8 million. But guys like Ryan Kessler and Ryan Getzlaff getting the age he is, and they don't really have any youth star talent. So they're not going to – he's not going to put up big stats like he used to, like the 50-goal season he had uh, six or seven years ago. But, yeah, he's a flyer. He's a, like, he's a flyer type of player you want to take the risk on. And like you said, I mean, if there's a playoff team out there that looks – so if he doesn't work out on your team but the playoff team sees him, you can retain some salary and make a trade at the deadline. And he could mean something going forward. And he has that winning mentality. he so he'll he he'll go he'll end up somewhere his career's not over and uh like three and a half to five million is a fair price to go get Corey Perry.
1: I believe that is it for the uh signing and tradings at least the big ones. Um, have anything else that you would like to cover on this front, Nick? Before we move on,
0: no, I think uh I think what. With it being tomorrow, I think the draft should be uh, our next priority.
1: Okay, so let's go ahead and uh, talk about the draft really quick. Um, at this point in time, obviously Jack Hughes and Capocacco are considered the consensus one and two picks. Um, but then three beyond, that's <laughs> it, generally a toss-up.
0: Then it goes to Stanvo, and What will Stan do? And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of rumors this past week earlier this week it was hawks are taking a center then today there was two there was two sources that came out and said the pick is going to be Byrum at three so i don't know what to do i don't know what's a smokescreen i don't know what's true um i'm hoping that it is the most recent report that it is Bowen Byrum because he we've been talking about in the last two episodes that we've had he's a guy with that could be your potential number one defenseman, not just a top pairing, but that number one star defenseman. And I think the Hawks would be dumb to pass him up. We all, like we've been talking about it all episode, you build from the blue line, and Bowen Byram is a guy you want. I mean, he's getting compared to Scott Niedermayer already. So I would be shocked if it's Bo- if it's not Bowen Byram's name taken at three tomorrow.
1: I definitely agree. I mean, just look, like I've been studying him in particular this past week quite a bit. I watch his play and everything about it says number one defenseman. I mean, from his passing to his setups, his skating admittedly does still need some work. I'll give people that, but...
0: He's still very fast.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't watch his play and watch him make bad defensive decisions. And I mean, he can also score, which is... A good thing as a defenseman, I mean, he knows how to read a breakout and make competent passes, which is huge for a defenseman that young to be able to see openings that are going to lead to chances when usually it takes defensemen at least a couple of years to really do that. Like, you'll watch guys who they play in the minors, and, I mean, they're okay at making reads, but Byram's are on a completely different level. He sees guys who are open for chances, and, he generates space, and he's not afraid to carry the puck while he's skating around, which is another huge thing. A lot of defensemen, as soon as they get the puck, they'll immediately look for someone open. He's not afraid to hold on to it for a minute. No, and I think that, qualities that like that me, are what make a number one defenseman.
0: Yeah, that shows to me he's a confident player, I and mean, he's rock solid at his own end. And But like you said, the confidence in controlling the puck and reading plays and finding, finding players open – and splitting the seam and stuff like that, it not only does it show that you could be a top-pairing defenseman, but you could be your power play quarterback, like what we've seen out of Eric Gustafson this year. I mean, sure, he's really only known for his offensive talent, but Bowen Byram's a true two-way defenseman, and he he could bring that scoring. He could scare teams with that shot he has. He had 27 goals this last year in the uh, Canadian Hockey League. So I think it should be Byram at three. But if it's not, I wouldn't be upset if it's turcott or Zegers. Anyone else, though, I think it would be a failed draft. I don't think... It, it should either be Byram, then turcott and then Trevor Zegers. If it's anyone else, then I'm going to be very upset tomorrow night.
1: I agree. Now, in your opinion, I think there are two questions that should be asked. Do the Hawks need to take Byron because they think he's the best player available? Or do you think that they should take turcott because... He's at more of a position of need for them.
0: Um, I think it should be Byram at three. You always go with the best player available. If you want to take Turkat or any center on any other center in this draft, like Zegers or Kirby Doc, then trade back, trade back a couple spots and go get that center that you want. But at three, you should always take the best player available because even if you don't need them, you could find a way to use them, like trading away our defensive prospects that we have and clearing out room to make him useful on this roster i mean he's going to be useful but to give him more room and let him find his way with the team quicker so i think they should always take best player available at three we clearly that did not happen last year with the canadians taking coke to Miami and passing on phillips passing on phillips Zadina, who ended up with the wings but the best player available should always be the pick at three and i think in this case it is Bowen Byram.
1: Talking also about just the wing side of the draft. Um, I mean, really, picks three through three through the rest of the first round are going to be "quote unquote" toss ups. I mean, generally, like you were saying, you know, the idea is that Byram is the consensus third. If we're looking at defensemen, and not only that, the unique thing about Byram is I believe he's the only defenseman slotted to go in the top ten, right?
0: Uh yes. Well, as of last week, yes. Today, I seen a report that uh, the Oilers are strongly considering Philip Broberg at eight so uh that's interesting i could see so broberg could find his way into the top 10 if the oils are that high on him but other than that based off like rankings he is the only one going in the top 10 but broberg could find his way up there
1: i mean when you're in chicago's position i think you know you have the chance to take the only defenseman slotted real who's been at least consistently slotted in the top 10 i think you'd be kind of I don't want to say naive, but I think it'd be foolish not to take it. I mean, there's a reason he would be the only defenseman slotted in that top 10. So yeah, if he's the only I, one, there's got to be something to his game.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, you it'd be foolish not to pa- to pass on. Not, not uh, Let me clarify. It'd be foolish to pass on someone like Bowen Byram. So if he's truly that number one defenseman, I don't care how stacked you are in the defensive development program with the prospects that we have, you go build that team, that D prospects even more by drafting Bowen Byram. So, I mean, Turcotte and Zegers are gonna be fine players, but Bowen Byram is without a doubt better at the defensive position than they are at the center position.
1: Admittedly, I'm not familiar with the Kings' uh, prospect pool or, or the other teams who are slotted to go before Detroit in the draft, so I'm not really sure who they're taking. Um Detroit. Their pick is interesting because it's not a solidified this will be the best player available at this position. It's very much you're going to be taking a chance on just about anybody at that point because you don't know who before you was going to take who. Um I think personally Pod Colson should be the pick. I've seen people saying, you know, he's not a top 10 draft pick, blah blah blah, but I think you look at a kid like him who He's already playing in the KHL, like that's a league with men. How do you look at a player like that who, even though you're not going to get him potentially for two years, how do you look at a player who's already playing with men and not say to yourself, that's the kind of player that we want in our organization who has the potential to be a top line winger, I think Detroit would be absolutely mistaken for not taking that. I mean, I know I've seen some people saying, you know, if Turcott slides, they should absolutely take Turcott, But I look at Detroit's center depth, and I mean, you have Dylan Larkin, you have potentially Joe Valeno, who by all accounts should not have slid to 30 last year, not by a long shot. And then you also have potentially Rasmussen, Andreas Athanasiu. So on the defensive of or on the center side, they really don't need to pick another center, in my opinion. I think Pod Colson is the winger who has the most potential upside, which I think is what the wings should be shooting for. I want to see some swing for the fences type picks, and I think that's absolutely one. Um, who do you think detroit should be taking
0: yeah i agree it's either pod colson or other than pod colson it should be caulfield just because caulfield has that natural scoring ability he's probably the best goal scorer in this draft but pod colson was once in the running to take over the second overall pick over capo so that clearly shows the kind of talent he has and detroit's with eisenman's comments recently that they're going to build through the draft that they're willing to wait and you're going to get an elite forward at six a potential elite forward at six, I should say. But Pod is one of those guys that if you're willing to wait two years, he's going he's more than likely gonna pan out. So in two years, you could be looking at like Dylan Larkin, Philip Zadina, and Vasily Pod on your first line. and you got Andreas see you on that second line. And then Joe Veleno will be your third line center, which is just ridiculous. And then also Anthony Manta thrown in that second line. So I think Pod Colson should be the pick. If it's not Pod Colson, go Cole Caulfield just because of his scoring ability. And the Red Wings need some need a pure goal scorer like that other than Philip Zadina. So I agree it should be Vasily Podkolzin. name announced at number six overall.
1: Okay. Well, that's basically going to wrap up there's the draft. There's one cause... thing I want
0: to oh, yeah, do before. There's a trade proposal that it wasn't a rumor, but it was a trade proposal on Twitter that actually got my brain flowing before we ended this episode. And I want to get your thoughts on it because it involves the Blackhawks and the Red Wings. So the uh, trade proposal on Twitter that I've seen, since you guys are looking to build that defensive core, would you be opposed to a deal that involved, we wouldn't be trading our first overall pick, but we'd be trading, or not a first overall pick, our first round pick. We'd be trading Adam Boquist, Chad Kreiss, and some kind of kicker, just name for a depth forward on the Hawks. We'll throw him in. And you trade us that number six pick. Adam Boquist would probably be the second best defenser in this draft. Would you be opposed to that kind of deal?
1: That's an interesting one for me. I mean, Detroit hasn't had high draft picks like this in several years. Um, so you said it was Boquist and... Chad Kreiss, who Ch- is yeah, Chad Christ.
0: a defensive prospect for us, Who's who... Is potential to be a top 40 man and then any kind of kicker just a sweetener to the deal
1: i think it could definitely be a possibility i mean detroit has plenty of picks this draft um sixth is definitely not a small pick to be giving up i mean it's still pretty high up in the draft and like you're just saying you know whoever picks at 6 is still gonna get a potential elite forward i think the potential for that deal is definitely there boquist seems like he could be a potential it well he looks like from what i've seen anyway i've watched some video of him online he looks like he's definitely going to be a top four defenseman at least if he doesn't pan out to full potential but he pans out at the nhl level i think i would be okay with that as long as whatever the additional piece that you added to that deal was a second or third rounder um just because at number six i mean like you said you're looking to potentially pick up an elite forward which those are pretty hard to come by without tanking or without some crazy luck i mean the hawks for example this year gets just insanely lucky you jumped from what was it 12 to three yes so i mean either you get some insane luck or you tank for the high picks and Six is a bit much, but I think for Boquist plus, I think it would probably be fair. I mean, Troy already has, I think, in my opinion, a decent forward group. At center, we're pretty much loaded for a while. I mean, all of our centers that are projected are not old by any stretch. Winger depth is, I think, a little bit small, but I mean, you've still got guys like Zadina, Bertuzzi, Mantha, who can Hirose. carry that forward group. Yep, and Herosi. Rosie actually surprised me a lot this season. Um,
0: Assist per game.
1: Yeah, but I think at forward, they're fine. So if they were going to pick up a forward with the sixth pick, I think I would be open to it. We're open to that trade just because I realistically don't think they need more forwards. And I mean, yeah, like you said, I- we're looking to fill out our blue line. So right now, I mean, Philip Heronik is, for all intents and purposes, going to be our top pair defenseman. And Dennis Chalowski looks like he's going to be a top four, worst-case scenario. So I definitely like the trade, plus Cronwall's getting... I'm not sure if they talked about resigning him and I haven't seen anything yet, but yeah. I definitely think trading the sixth pick for some pretty decent blue chip prospects is, is a perfectly fine trade.
0: Yeah. I think uh, the only way, the reason why I looked at it, I think six is too high to take Philip Roberg and Adam Boak was, I mean, he's, he was a top 10 pick last year. And if the Detroit truly wants to fill that blue line, they get two top four potential D men. And with that, The Hawks would have the three and six, and then the Hawks could go get their center that they want, whether it's, I don't think Turcotte will make it to six, but they could go get Zegers or Doc with that pick. So they could address both needs by making a trade. If they take Bo and Byram and then trade Boquist, I mean, I, I just thought it'd be interesting, just because it involves two of our teams.
1: That actually, that's actually a really interesting trade, because like you said, once you acquire Byram at three, you have a new potential number one in your system, which is why I think makes trading Boquist okay. Now, if, if the Hawks decided they weren't going to take Byram at three... Just looking at it from the outside, if I were on the Hawks end of that, I would not make that trade, but...
0: Yeah, it has to be Byram at three if they want to make this deal happen. That's the only way it really makes sense that they do. If they take a center, then there's no point in making that trade. Because
1: at that point, you're just essentially trading... Essentially, your high... Boquist, in my opinion, is your guys' best blue line prospect. Yes. At least, assuming you don't... Assuming Byram's not there yet. But as of this moment, I think he is your best prospect until you guys take Byram at third. So for you guys to to trade him for forwards, I don't think really would, would make sense, but yeah, if you guys pick up Byram, I absolutely think that that's a potential move that I like. Yeah, so I, mean, I think... Detroit I think needs to bolster out. their blue line, so...
0: Yeah, that's the that's the only reason why I even mentioned it, just because it makes sense for both teams. Like, ideal sense, not just for one of our team like my team but like you said we got detroit's looking to bolster their blue line and boquist would be a fine addition to that
1: i haven't watched a ton of uh boquist since he's been drafted how do you have any idea what his production numbers have really looked like
0: yeah so his only issue is he's he's kind of sometimes he's lost in his own zone which he's young that happens but his offensive numbers are unreal i think he had this postseason in the canadian hockey league i think he had 12 goals just in the playoffs so he's a he's a stud on the offensive of the ice as a d man so that could that could scare some teams like he'll he's one of those guys that when when he has the puck you better look out for him to either shoot or he'll find an open lane to pass
1: a kind of like a mike green type of player
0: yes but wait i i think his offensive upside is has a higher ceiling than mike green way higher so if you could figure out that his own zone he's going to be a stud all around. Okay. Other than that, I really don't know if there's anything else you want to cover.
1: Last episode, we did the, uh, who would you pick? Who would you, uh, you pick up segment. I think I kind of want to do the opposite this time. We'll take a, uh, who do you drop off? And what we'll do is we'll look at our team's current rosters, and then you pick a player on that roster who you're going to drop their contract and just the player completely off your roster. So I'll go ahead and start. So, from the Detroit Red Wings roster, I think if there was one contract I would get off of our books, it would probably be Justin Applicators. It's no personal vendetta against the man by any means, but I look at the player that we're getting for that price. And on top of that, management seems to just continuously throw him in a middle six position, which I don't think he fills. Um, I think he's log jamming our forwards. I mean, if I'll put it this way, if he wasn't on the roster this year, I think Phillip Zadina would have gotten his call up earlier. I mean, in his games with the uh, league Zadina he seemed like he could skate just fine at the NHL level. He was not great during preseason. I mean, he was okay, but you could tell he wasn't ready for the NHL level. But after this year playing in Grand Rapids, you can tell that he, if he's not there, he is on the cusp of making the NHL level. And I think having that contract with applicator, A, locks up a forward position. Secondly, it locks up ridiculous amounts of cap space for what you're getting and then on top of that it's just way too long of a deal for me to want to keep on the books
0: yeah that makes sense for me i mean like i like i only get to catch a few red wings games a season but i live with a bunch of red wings fans and i got a bunch of buddies that are red wings fans and they constantly bash on advocator you respected what he what what he did contribute to the years that the Red Wings were making the playoffs, but it seems like he's kind of just one of those guys that his, his, his time's up. Like you guys are done with him.
1: So what about you, Nick? What about the Hawks? Like if you could look at that roster and take somebody off, who would you take off?
0: Mine's an absolute no brainer. It's not Brent Seabrook because he's done so much for this team. And I think he's a great leader in this lock in that locker room. So, Mine is actually Artem Anisimov, and my buddies that I always talk to know that I absolutely hate him. He was brought, he was in that Brandon Saad trade, and Bowen, uh, Bowman signed him a ridiculous long-term deal for no... He was brought on to be, be uh, Panarin and Kane's center. And guess what? Panarin's not on the Hawks anymore, and Kane's playing with Taves. So now Anisimov's been on the third line, and sometimes even the fourth line. So he's and he's getting paid four and a half million dollars. So in the end, I Arteminisov's roster spot makes no sense anymore because Panera's not there, Kane's not there, and K- or Kane is there but not playing when I need him off. So also a guy that I would like to see off the roster, hopefully by July first, when then no trade clause is up, and that then we could start filling in filling his spot with players that are going to contribute more than he has because he was all right on the power play. That's where most of his goals come from. But other than that, he's kind of just. He's slow. He's old. He's no longer playing with Kane and Panarin. I was
1: say, I mean, I don't think he's a terrible player, but like you said, I mean, the reason why you guys picked him up kind of doesn't exist anymore. I mean, like you said, Panarin is gone. Kane plays with Taves now. Like, really, for the amount of con or contracts, salary that he's taking up, and just what he's doing for your roster, it's like you said. I mean, really, what's the point of him being on the roster at this point? You guys know what he is, and in terms of what he's producing, for what he's being paid, just doesn't really make any sense for the role that he's playing.
0: Yeah, it's, he, he extended his welcome a, a year too long. I hope he's not, not in an Indian sweater next season.
1: Okay, well, I think that'll pretty much wrap it up for tonight's episode. Uh, the NHL draft is actually tomorrow night, I believe, correct? Yes, it's yes tomorrow
0: night at 7 p.m. Central, I believe.
1: So, unfortunately, I will be at work, so... I won't be able to watch it live. I'll just get the uh, the TLDR afterwards. So unfortunately, I won't get to watch it. But I'm sure there'll be plenty for us to pick and our brains about and just talk about next week. I'm sure there're going to be a couple off the wall picks. There always are. With that being said, I'd Bowen. like to thank everybody for tuning in. Do you have anything to add, Captain, Nick?
0: We missed you this week. Can't wait to have you back next week. But Hawks fans, remember Bowen Byron no matter what. That is who we need at three.
1: I agree, definitely. I think you'll take Byram at third. But with that being said, we'll go ahead and wrap this episode up. Thank you, everyone, for, for tuning in to watch, or not to watch, to listen to this episode. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Stickblade Podcast. As always, if you'd like to shoot us an email, you can email us. The email address is stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at stickbladepod. I'm assuming you found this song, or this podcast through soundcloud so feel free to give us a follow on soundcloud we'll be updating our socials soon making this a little bit more of a professional podcast thank you guys for uh for sticking with us and just like to thank you guys for tuning in have a good evening